What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by CinematicRail.com. I'm your host, David. I'm joined with today, Mr. Jack Renault. How are you? Good, sir. Very good, very good. Continuing spooky season with maybe the scariest movie ever made. At least that's what it was introduced to me as. I'm sure we'll talk about that more as we go on, but super stoked to talk about this movie today. Same. And Hunter, how are you, buddy? Oh, very good. Happy to be talking about a movie that only gets better the more entries in the franchise you see. Which we all <laughs> have done this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so we are here to talk about the 50th anniversary of, like what Jack said, what is considered the scariest movie of all time, but definitely one of the greatest horror films of all time, The Exorcist. And I also agree with Hunter, with every entry, this just... Looks so 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 much better. It's uh, like Jaws. Not that yeah, you need honestly. not that you need to compare Jaws to anything to make it look better. But but yeah, this is with the release of the Exorcist of uh, what is it? Believer. That's what it's called, right? Believer. Um, yep. Perfect timing to celebrate the 50th anniversary of this classic. So before we get into that, let's get into some of the news of the week. We have only two bits of news. One of them is regarding an upcoming biopic about Martin Luther King, but the director of choice is quite the choice as Chris Rock will be directing this. Uh, I've seen his one of his films, uh, Top 5, I believe it's called, from a couple of years ago. It's not bad, but this does not seem like a movie that he would direct. But uh, through our Martin Luther King biopic on the way, Hunter, what are your thoughts? sure i guess is what my you know that's what i thought i i'm not gonna rule out that chris rock can't do it but it's just such a weird thing to be not doing because obviously martin luther king deserves a biopic but and this is just gonna be the definitive one they say because they have all the rights to the speeches and life events and everything but it's just such a weird pairing of director and movie and then what well who's gonna distribute it who's gonna star in it who knows yeah, I'm, I agree. Jack, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm the same. Like, I I haven't seen a Chris Rock-directed movie, so I can't quite, like, speak on, like, the potential absurdity of cast, of having him be the director, so I'll let my own seeing be the judge of it, so never say never, essentially. Yeah, uh, no, and I... At least now it has me more intrigued, knowing the director, and have it be something that I actually want to seek out more rather than it was just like, you know, standard somebody who I didn't know. But No, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I think Top 5 is a good movie. I think it's a really entertaining, well-directed movie, too. Uh, like you said, it'll be uh, dependent on can he direct this type of subject matter. So we'll see what happens. And then uh, the other only other news is I just wanted to ask if you guys saw the first image of Freud's last session, which is set to premiere AFI and release in December. It looks like it was directed by Zack Snyder because there is no color whatsoever in this photo. Uh, Hunter, did you get a chance to see the photo? It's been out for months now at this point. So, yeah, it's, it's been just sitting there. I mean, it's not an interesting photo. You just yeah. see it and you're like, okay, on with my day kind of thing. For sure. Yeah. Jack, have you been able to see it? Uh, I'm 
I think I saw it because I just by the like the description, I feel like I I know what you're referring to, but and I never saw it when it was released. I literally just saw it when AFI when it was re- when the release date was announced this week. So I was like, oh my god, this, this looks. It was so also it was one of those movies where it wasn't at any of the other fall festivals. So it's that and the like, there's like a few others where I was like, there's only so many places to premiere left, and least that one got cleared up somewhere. I agree. I do think but this is probably. I... It's going to be nothing, probably. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's probably, I was talking to a friend of the show, JC, about it. He's like, oh, we have Freud's last session left. I'm like, no, we don't. Like, this, I don't think this movie's going to be anything. From from the director of The Man Who Knew Infinity, which that's not even a movie. That doesn't exist. So it's like, well, prove me wrong because nothing points to this being anything, which I'll still see it. Sounds interesting. For sure. Uh, And yeah, I mean, it's a very light week of news. Nothing. SAG strike still ongoing, so we have no news there to report. And then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, let's get into what we watch. Hunter, you have... I'm going to save Jack for last because he has some doozies. Uh, Hunter, Ooh. what do you got? Today was a very... or This week was a very busy week for me. I think I had one movie every single day of the weekdays. Delightful. So, and was, we, ran, we ran the whole gamut of really bad to really good, so... We'll start with the really bad one. The worst one was Foe, the new Amazon <laughs> Prime movie with Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mescal. I think it comes out in Prime in like three weeks or whatever. Technically, it's in theaters, but I'm thinking they're going to just start pulling more theaters the more it goes on. It is. I mean, it's 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 too metaphor. It's not metaphorical enough to be a parable, and it's not literal enough to be a literal story. There's so many plot holes. There's so many things un- unoriginal and uninteresting about it. It's just really boring and bad. So, you know, you'll once one of them, Sir Sharon or Paul Mascar, will both have an Oscar. We'll look back at this movie like, holy shit, they started a movie together, and then we'll not remember that it was this. So, uh, there's Exorcist Believer, which was pretty bad. It's really pointless because it does the exact same thing as Exorcist. So, which means there's no mystery. Which means if you know everything that's going to happen, it's not that scary. It's exactly all these requels and stuff where it's like, if I already know what's going to happen, then what's the point? And especially, you're not going to beat the original. There's no way you're going to do that. It's like the Jurassic World movies. No no fucking way you're going to beat Spielberg. But they'll still make a billion dollars, so whatever. At least this one will make money. And it's the Kane Mutiny Court Martial, which, you know... Thankfully, Taylor Swift made it so that Exorcist Believer comes out the same weekend as William Friedkin's final film, and Friedkin gets the last laugh. Because this is a great movie. It's basically a few good men, just really less flashy. It only takes place in the courtroom. It's a one-location movie. It's basically, it was written as a book, then made into a movie, then made into a play, and now it's back to being a movie. So... People say there should be... This should, you know, they complain that Friedkin should have gotten a... uh, theatrical distribution for this movie but uh, th- there's no way this movie would ever make money in theaters honestly i'd probably struggle to find it in theaters because it's so low-key it's so small so with all the crap that's on streaming we need good movies like these every once in a while i uh, yeah go ahead no i was gonna i was go gonna say i i just finished it right before the podcast so i, I will also mm-hmm. be touching on it and i am in agreement okay. with you in terms of quality yeah, it's really good. Keith for Sutherland's great. I like Jason Clark in it. Uh, it's it was just a really interesting, fun movie that I was like, attentive to. A movie that's just people giving their testimonies. The whole movie. That's ninety percent of the action. It's just that I was interested. So yeah, 
Speaking of streaming movies, back to Amazon, but they had another good one in The Burial, which might be one of the worst titles of the year because <laughs> it makes think it, it makes you think it's a horror movie. It's not at all. It's you know it stars Jamie Fox and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, it's on my Tiff Long list this year, but I didn't make it into my schedule, and then that sucked because I heard really great things about it. So I decided to check it out. Uh, the screening we had, it was sponsored by ARP, and. Uh, <laughs> They knew exactly. They knew exactly what audience to get. This was the fucking Avengers Endgame for the elderly crowd in terms of some of the names they were dropping. There was clapping, applause. You would have thought this is Green Book gonna win Best Picture kind of stuff. <laughs> it was, and it's a good movie. It's so engineered to make you feel everything you want to feel. You're supposed to cry when it wants you to. You're supposed to laugh. You're supposed to applaud. And every movie should fail miserably when they do that. But then this one succeeds because it actually feels genuine and I was having a good time, which that counts for a lot of things. So it's a good movie. I'm not going to think about it ever, but I had a good time. <laughs> I saw Strange Way of Life, the Pedro Motovar short. It was stitched together with his previous one, The Human Voice. So it was a fun way just to go to the theater for an hour. Mm-hmm. I was curious what, that, what that's like. So they're fine. Nothing too special. I kind of liked them. So. And, all right, last one. Don't worry. Before, hopefully you didn't lose your mind thinking about this. We talked about it yesterday. I've been wanting to watch this movie forever. At midnight exactly, I watched After Hours. Oh, oh fuck. Oh, no. Oh, no. I didn't Wait a minute. There, there, there's not even a log for this right now. Hold on. I, nope, I haven't. This was fresh. This There was no log for this because that was the point. I literally, nobody got on for gaming last night, so I was like, well, shit, I got, you know, whatever I want to do now. And I'm like, it's 11.30. I wonder what movie I can start at midnight. Before be- nice. before Harney goes, Jack looks very nervous right now. Yep, no log, don't worry. Seriously? No man has ever gotten so fucked in one movie. <laughs> <the> Paul <laughs> <Hamilton>. <laughs> so fucked. And it's a great movie, actually. Yes! Hell <laughs> yeah! It's one of those movies you're like, oh man, it's just so much fun to watch him just the circle starts going. The best, once um, he went back to the bar and the bartender got the phone call about his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, all right, we're here. This is, this is, this is the movie. This is how it goes. So yeah, I really liked it. It was great. That's great. And especially because I have one week until Killers of the Flower Moon. So I'm trying to get at least two or three more Scorsese movies in. The good thing is I have no screenings this week for new movies, so I can actually get through it. We'll say the... Uh, I think Paul's a piece of shit person. If, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. he... Well, yeah, but it's... it's, it's <laughs> but that's the thing. Even though he's a piece of shit, I'm like, you know, just go home, man. I just I just want to see him go home, and that's a good character. Right he lit- It's funny, though, because he literally is the cause of a, a girl's overdose. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's funny still. I'm like, this is how you make a good movie. You have a guy do this stuff, and I'm still like, eh, okay, you know, whatever. She was weird. Would you take a sequel to this, uh, Jack? Because this is your, uh, this is your like, oh, novel. this is no. like your peak Scorsese. So, I mean, what about a, what, what about a remake? Would you do that? I, I'd be honestly okay. I think if a it, sequel would be hilarious because just to, if it was with Griffin Dunn again, just to see him could get like. Start the night with an already like oh no mm-hmm. like it's happening again mm-hmm. and just have like the insanity already start really high that'd be just funny in general but a remake I mean the Safety brothers are kind of just making tiny little after hours movies like with everything Which they is do good, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Or, or uh, yeah. Oh, the best part was when it's for the split second he watches um the wife murder her husband or something. That's probably gonna be. Yeah, they're probably gonna blame that on me. Yeah. Oh, how'd, yeah. how'd you like the? Uh, how'd you like the Scorsese cameo? I know. I, I did. Guy. I did the DiCaprio <laughs> point. I was like, hey, that's him. That's him. I know it's that guy. I know who that is. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. you loved it. I'm glad you loved it. This is yes. I, Jack and I are so big on Probably. I'm, I'm I glad don't you know. mentioned you started at with the worst and you made your way to the best at the end. So loved it. Yes. Can't wait to see the star rating. Oh, don't worry. It'll be good. Yeah, I uh, might do Mean Streets and then like two others this week. I haven't decided what else. People talk. I mean, I like Mean Streets, but it's kind of the gateway to Scorsese kind of blowing up. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think it belongs in like a top tier Scorsese, but I think it's, it's an a great. Like, it's a very important yeah. movie in terms of yeah. his. That's what because like growth. at this point, ninety percent of the filmmakers I've seen, I was like, I've seen all the movies after. I was like, well, what's the first one that started it all? Pretty much, yeah. Basically. And that'll be Mean Streets, not, not not counting Boxcar Bertha, the other one. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really. That's way down the line when I actually want to be a total completionist on Scorsese. Boxcar Bertha is not good. So. Yeah, nobody uh, said it's good. I don't think yeah. even Scorsese says it's good. So it's like, well, it'll still be interesting, but that's for way down the road. Um, awesome. All right, so Jack, you're gonna go last. So for me, okay. I saw. I think I yeah, I saw this today after we podcasted last week. So I saw Hitman. I abs- I absolutely love this. This is good. This is movie. so good. Like, shout out to Tilda Swinton, like, and Patrick Bateman. Like, I I absolutely loved it. And if you've seen Hitman, you know exactly what I'm talking. It's it was literally the talking point of New Tilda Swinton. That's all I gotta say. Think about think about the movie, and you know what I'm talking about. It's been it was a talking point in New York Film Festival all week during our press screenings talking about him i have no idea what you're talking about honestly really oh my god um it's been a month since i saw this movie but i still don't i have no idea uh, i'll say it off the air but yeah loved it glenn powell is a superstar like absolute superstar i thought he was fantastic in this and it's in my top 10 link later there's a lot of great stuff in front of it but it's definitely my top it's there's definitely like top tier link later for me i had a ball with it uh spooky season I uh, saw hot documentaries on Halloween 2, Halloween 3, Halloween 4, Halloween 5, Halloween 6. Uh, always fun to dive into those. Separate documentaries or just one documentary? No, they're separate. They're separate. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I saw the – I have a specific order. I watch these in every year. So I saw the zombie Halloween 1 and 2. His, his Halloween remake is No Bueno. Uh, I actually don't mind his second one. Uh, it's out there, but it's it's different. Uh, saw all the every single Exorcist movie, from one, two, three, the Schrader and Rennie Harlan and the Exorcist Believer. Um, as bad as Exorcist Believer is, and I do think it's bad. It's still not as bad as the Schrader. It's still not as bad as the Harlan, and it's still not as bad as Heretic Two, which is the the worst one of the worst sequels worst movies ever made i i don't know it's terrible it's absolute garbage um and the exorcist is, a, not, mas- is a masterpiece you would not believe every single time at the screen for it 
every critic I talked to, I was just like, oh, I haven't seen any of the other Exorcist movies. Like, oh, have you seen Exorcist 3, though? It's actually pretty good. I was like, I just said I haven't seen every other Exorcist movie. Now, Exorcist... Everybody thinks 3 is good. Is the 3 thing. is everybody. good. 3 is good. It, that is Literally, the one. everybody said that. It was just like a goddamn script, and there were robots, NPCs working against me. Like, I don't know if you'll like it, but in terms of, like, the horror that, like, the horror community likes, Exorcist 3 mm-hmm. is solid. Like, Father Karras comes back and everything. It is... Oh, good. Okay, let's see. I... He... There you go. You like got J- me at least there. Like J- the best part of this movie. Jason Miller. Jason. Talk about. Jason Miller's in it, so he it, it's yeah, it's okay. fucking it goes into weird, wild places. But I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, let me see what else. So we're we're gonna cover Halloween four in a couple of weeks, and the director of Halloween four direct uh, released a horror movie this year a couple of weeks ago on uh, I think Tubi called Natty Knox, and it sucks. So, Fuck. terrible week. In, in Tubi, we trust. Just a terrible, yes. a really bad horror week for me, unfortunately, outside of like one thing. Um, then I saw, uh, let me see. Oh, this prequel to Pet Cemetery. Um, and if I hear sometimes dead is better, one more time, I may jump off my win- out of my window because that they say it every about fifteen minutes in this prequel. Just to let you know, this is a prequel. Is this the new pe- one? Yeah, it's terrible. It's also really, okay. Really I've heard it's terrible. Not that I was ever gonna watch it. Jack, are you a fan of Spirit of Spirit of Halloween? The department. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Spirit Halloween. The the store. The department store, Spirit Halloween. Yes, so, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. So there, one one just opened for the yeah. They they open every every year. So so um. I saw the movie. Oh, I saw I saw this log. I saw this. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's terrible. It's so Yeah, I don't funny setup. Don't think it'll don't think it'll win me over. <laughs> it it's um I I was ex- not excited, but I was intrigued with the whole Christopher Lloyd as the villain. Dude, <laughs> He's not even in it, man. That took me for a loop, I will say. That was not the name I was expecting to see when I clicked on that title. Um, he's not even in it. It's oh. <laughs> it's just all the cre- all the costumes come to life and he's the voiceover of the costumes and things in the all store. All the costumes? Yeah. 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 Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's it's not even it's not even like cheese ba- when, when was it made? This year. Came out this year. What? Oh my uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I was like, Chris Lloyd's like almost ninety years old or something like that. Not that he can't be a villain, but it's just like, eh. Um, saw Saw X, which I absolutely love. I'm getting, I'm getting flack for me thinking it's the best in the series. I'm like, this movie actually focuses on character development and not just traps and gore. Like, you don't get the first trap in the movie until the, an hour in, which is pretty like wild for this franchise I, I i've really enjoyed it i think it's the best in the series uh don't want any more just glad we got this one and let me see the last uh i have three more i saw dumb money finally which i really enjoyed um saw the k-mutiny court marshal i put on my log and it's not an insult because i think this is a really good movie but this this feels like the greatest tv movie that cbs never released 
Oh, well, they did actually in the 80s. They had the CBS version of this. Oh, there you go. So that it, uh, it's, there you go. It's, it's yes, it's I would honestly say that, too. I was like, this is a TV movie. And I mean that no disrespect. There are 100%. movies like this that there should be. And this is a really good one. Yeah, this <laughs> this is I think you're going to like it, Jack. It's it's like, yeah, not as, obviously not as good as a few good men, but it's really, really solid. Um, I was like, for all the shit that's released on streaming and then TV movies, Hallmark crap like that. I'm like, we need good sh- good stuff like this just just needs to be this this is what we need and then last oh i did have one more horror movie witchboard 2 not to be not to be confused with witchboard 1 witchboard 2 is witchboard Yes. I hope this has to do with, like, skateboarding. No. It, it, is this Ouija boards? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, could, they couldn't get the rights to the, using that in the no. title. So. <laughs> Should that be an indicator of what the quality of the movie is, then? Oh, you'll hate it. I love the I actually really okay. enjoyed it. Um, okay. And then the last two are NIF titles. I saw what probably will be Jack's favorite movie of the year and maybe Hunter's, Maestro. Top five, probably. Yeah, top yeah. Five. guaranteed yeah. top five. Yeah, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Uh, Bradley Cooper is pretty phenomenal in it. I, I think this passed the test of as long as it's critically approved, critically approved, and it's getting really great reviews. I think he's gonna win. I don't see a world now where he doesn't really just take this. And it, it'll be a career Oscar, but I think he, it'll be warranted. I think he's really good at well. it. Once you're at 12 nominations, career Oscars are like, you know, at this point, just take it. Go yeah, <laughs> he's good. He's very good. Um, the, it, if you're going to ask me, I do prefer, prefer Killian, uh, but I no problem. I think Bradley's really, really great in it. Uh, I will say, if Carrie Mulligan goes supporting, I think she's going to win. It, it'll be kind of category fraud, but she can pull it because she does leave the movie for a substantial amount of time so they can kind of pull it off if they want to do that she would win easily she's pretty damn good uh cinematography is probably in contention to win uh makeup and hairstyling i think we can we'll probably have that correlation again with actor and and makeup mm-hmm. um picture lock not sure if they'll give him director now but i think it's a better directed film than stars board i think um and the composing scenes, I oh my god! Like, if you can watch this on Dolby, please do, because that is just there's a six minute scene of just him conducting, and it is a fucking delight. And good. good. And then finally, I saw Priscilla. Uh, I'm gonna say that the majority are gonna like this more than they did Elvis. Pretty safe bet there. I I think it's phenomenal. Uh it's very quiet, very subtle. Uh, it's not one of those movies that you're going to be dealing with. You're gonna, there's no Elvis in movie in terms of music, uh, and I think she does a good job of the music that's incorporated is really solid, including a Dolly Parton needle drop that just really, really works within the context of the movie. Jacob Lord, he's really good, insanely good. Didn't think that he could be as good as he was, and he's in the movie a lot more than I thought he would be. Uh, Kaylee Spaney is the real deal. She's phenomenal in it. Uh, yeah, if you if you like Sophia films, I think this is up there. It's probably my second favorite after Lost in Translation for her. So very excited to hear your thoughts when you guys see it. And that's it for me. Jack, take it away. All right. Uh, so also busy week for me, but on the school front. But I was able to get in two quite significant horror watches that were on my list. The first of which... Dario Argento's Deep Red. Um, 
I wanted to watch this after the horror draft, uh, and it was one that was on my list. And yeah, I freaking loved it. Uh, it has a lot of the same things I love about Suspiria on top of, uh, I would say, maybe easier to follow and more interesting story than Suspiria, because that was never one of the things that I go back to that movie for. Uh, Goblin, in terms of the music, is just debatably matching the heights that they put in Suspiria. I've already been listening to that score a lot today. Um, and yeah, it was just a movie that really blew me away, honestly. And then, uh, man, I had to watch this movie eventually. Because if I didn't, Dave would never <laughs> stop bringing it up. <laughs> so I just decided to rip off the Band-Aid. And see Frankenhooker. You're not ripping off a Band-Aid, my friend. You're welcoming <laughs> greatness into your life. <laughs> I, I will say... Okay, Basket Case is definitely the bottom. We know this. And then where Frankenhooker and Brain Damage fall? I They're pretty close to each other, I'd say. I don't think... They both had their things that I lo loved more. I think Brain Damage had the more, like, insane scenes, but I do think Frankenhooker collectively might have been a bit more enjoyable. Specifically that super cracks scene. Like, <laughs> and then you have just, like, lit, like POV of, like, limbs flying across the room. And then, yeah, you mentioned that final scene. And, like... Uh... Man, what's 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 once oh crap? I can't remember her name. Was it Elizabeth? When she gets back into the room, and that whole like fifteen minutes starts, man. It's just like uh. I think once Elizabeth <laughs> is put back together again and she hits the streets, that that movie is banana rama. Like, this well, shit is when, crazy. Once, once she comes back alive and she just goes, "Got any money?" Uh, like, yeah, full send. Just so, in, in the Pantheon of Frankenstein movies, where would you rank this? <laughs> I was thinking about this. So, would you put uh, Bride of Frankenstein number one, obviously? And I think Frank, Frankenhooker's Franken uh, Franken I'd, top I'd four. Put, I'd, put, I'd put it in, okay, I would put it in four. Because we what have. About Bride, How about that one? I was going to say Bride. Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Oh, wait. Oh, shit, I didn't even think about that one. Fuck. We got Guillermo del Toro's Unmade Frankenstein movie. We can just put that one yeah. in. We can just... We can probably do that, yeah. So... Right now, it's my... Right of Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein. Then I have Frankenhooker, because I'd like... Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, e didn't they do that? E either Abbott and Costello or Frankenstein, and then Frankenhooker. So what about Kenneth, like... Kenneth Branagh's no. Frankenstein? No. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen so, it. <laughs> so it's at least top five. I'll take I will that. give it. I will give it five. It's just outside the Rushmore. I'll it, take it's that. in the souvenir shop. <laughs> there you go. Anything else, Jack? That was it. No. All right. Awesome. Fun week, despite its shortness. For Full sure. Quality. This week, I will probably have. Actually, we're we're gonna take a week off, so I should. When we come back, I should have more. Uh, but um, yeah. This is. Uh, I'm glad you you liked it, and there's many more to come, my friend. There's many more to come. Uh, but yeah, that wraps up what we watched. Let's get into what we hear today. The Exorcist, uh, William Friedkin's, my opinion, best film. Don't think it's relatively close to me. Um, and seeing what won Best Picture, we're going to have a conversation about it later. I, uh, yeah, 
we we can we could i wish we could have changed that around um but yeah let's get into the first viewing of this movie i'm the oldest one here so i probably have a much different story than you guys into how i got here um i was a freshman in high school and around that time um i had been given a special cable box that was around in the 90s and early 2000s to about 2006 before digital cable became a thing where it was hacked and you could get every single channel, pay-per-view, everything, right? So around that time is when the director's cut had just been, had been just re-released in theaters and it hit pay-per-view. So I saw it on pay-per-view uh, in February of 2001 and... I immediately fell in love with it in terms of a movie that actually creeped me out because by then I was already getting very heavy into horror, but I've never really been scared by anything. Uh, but the movie was the first one to truly creep me out. And as I've gone through the genre over the past like 22 years, I think this movie continues to hold as one of the best. Um, and in comparison to other exorcism movies, not just in the franchise, just as a whole, I I think it may be... And if you think if you guys think of one, let you know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's the only legit great one. I can't really like. There's some. I, that, I think. Oh. I, I think it's. I think it might be the Spielberg thing where he just like creates an entire subgenre like with dinosaurs yeah. and sharks, and it's just never able to be um, outdone. Because there are mm -hmm. some like there are some that I actually do like. Like you probably haven't guys haven't seen it, but The Exorcism of Emily Rose because it's a courtroom drama mixed in with an exorcism movie. So it's a, it, it, I, I, I I thought that one was part of the Exorcist franchise forever. <laughs> I only just learned that it's like anything, last anything week. Anything that starts with Exor, I was like, okay, yeah. it's just one of those movies. I thought it was like a spinoff or something, and then people were doing their rankings. I was like, where is this movie? I was like, no, it's just a separate movie. I'm like, huh, I didn't think people actually did that for this stuff because it's well, like making a dinosaur movie where it's just like, well, what's the point? It's Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. That's it. That's all you're gonna do. Yeah, the only other one that I think could be. Because I, th I think this is very good. It's for me. I like. I think the Conjuring is up there too. But that's probably, probably that ex. That's not even exorcism. That's just There's demon a, shit. Maybe like possession. Yeah, because yeah, that's more possession. But like in yeah. So, but yeah. Since then, yeah. I've seen it multiple times. I have. I had qualms about something that we're gonna talk about a little later. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the first time that I've watched it, and it really hasn't bugged me as much as it used to. Um, maybe because I just had a bad week of really bad movies that that really was not something that bothered me. Uh, but yeah, Jack, first watch for you. Um, my first watch honestly was not too terribly long ago, but it was you know one of those movies I was always in like the grand conscious of things, so it was always kind of like the one up movie, you know, where people be like, oh, you think that's scary? Well, wait till you see The Exorcist. Um. And so I'd always like kind of heard these. I'd always heard of its like claim as being like the scariest movie ever made. And with a title like The Exorcist, I mean that's already like kind of spooky. Um, mm -hmm. And then I finally did watch it. Um, I bought it. Well, I first bought it way back. I would probably like you like early. Might have been early in high school, honestly. I think I just got the DVD from like Goodwill, like the snapback case of the director's cut and i remember starting it and i was instantly just kind of like 
had my expectations subverted because you know we open in the iraq desert i'm like huh what's this like i thought there was like a girl here um Mm -hmm. so it was a very different movie from what i thought it was but i mean ever since then it just keeps coming back to me and yeah i think it's the one of the seminal horror movies ever made and we could certainly argue that it might be one of the first elevated horror movies and certainly has had a big impact on the horror landscape as a collective for decades later yeah you're right it's funny that no one called it that in 1973 they just called it horror <laughs> no uh, that's another conversation uh hunter <laughs> what, what what about you yeah um i've seen this movie three times now it's not now all right first year was freshman year of college they programmed as part of film club during october to be 2017 and i did not like this movie when i first saw it i thought it was kind of boring and not as scary as people let it to believe which is you know when it's hailed like jack says the scariest movie ever there's certain expectations so but i was also 18 years old so don't trust anything like that that i think of then uh then two years later when i was i think vice president of the club they the president president then screened it again i liked it a little more i was like okay it's scarier it's not that boring actually and then two years later in 2021 i programmed it because i was like fuck it the third time's gonna be the charm and it was where i was like okay this is actually pretty damn scary and not boring it's actually really interesting which i'll get into age the best where i think all a lot of horror movies and i'm not the biggest fan of all of them is just a lot of filler to get to the good stuff but in this movie i think all the filler is just as good as some of the the good stuff so that works out yeah and because i also saw because I did a two-year pattern of that. I saw Extras Believer this week, so I was like, well, it's even better now. The Extras one is. So, Prish, awesome. All right, so let's get into the production of the movie. So the movie was directed by William Friedkin from a screenplay from William Peter Blatty, who also wrote the, no- the 1971 novel of the same name, Ask- Aspects of Bleedy's uh, novel were inspired by the 1949 exorcism performed by Jesuit priest William S. Bowdern. Uh, it sold poorly until Bla- Blatty captivated the Dick Cavett show's audience with a discussion of whether the devil existed. Um, despite Bla- Blatty's previous screenwriting experience on Blake Edward films, uh, studios had not had been uninterested in adapting The Exorcist before publication. Uh, Lou Grady made a modest offer for the rights to the book, and Blady said uh, later he would have accepted it due to his difficult financial circumstances, but for his requirement that he produce. Shirley MacLaine, a friend of Blady's, had been interested as well, but wanted someone other than Blady to produce. A later agreement to co-produce with Paul bon- Monish, producer of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Collapsed over script differences and Blatty's discovery that Monash was trying to wrest control of the film. The screenplay follows the plot of his novel closely but narrows the story's focus. Subplots like the desecration of the churches and the subsequent relationship that developed between Karis and Kinderman. Karis's efforts to convince the church bureaucracy to approve the exorcism and the ongoing medical investigation into Reagan's condition are less prominent in the film. Which we're going to talk about the doctors in this movie a little later because... <laughs> Because my my God, um, some scenes, particularly with sexual content, were toned down for the movie since an actress uh, at Reagan's age was expected to be cast. The scene where Reagan masturbates with a crucifix was in the book more prolonged and explicit, with Reagan seriously injuring herself yet attaining an orgasm. 
the film also excludes the possessed Reagan's constant diarrhea, giving her room a strong foul odor. Uh, and he also made the screenplay unambiguous about Reagan's condition. In the novel, every symptom and behavior she exhibits that might indicate possession is counterbalanced with a reference to an actual case where the same phenomena were found to have natural scientific causes. The exorcism scenes, which is pretty wild. So Friedkin wanted the bedroom set to be cold enough to see the actor's breath, which if you remember, you do see that. Uh, A $50,000 and in 2023, $249,000 refrigeration system was installed to the, to the set, and it was negative 20 degrees during shooting. <laughs> Come to Minnesota. We'll give you that <laughs> for free. Since the set lighting warmed the air, it remained cold enough to film for only three minutes at a time due to frequent breakdowns. Only five shots could only be finished a day. The com- that complete scene took a month to complete. Yeah, yeah. This is this has a lot to the uh, regarding the production. This is one of the well known like curse sets. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. productions there was uh, production problems and accident on the set. The Exorcist originally scheduled for eighty five de- uh, days of principal photography took two over two hundred days to wrap. The film went two point five million. Over budget, ultimately costing the studio twelve million. I think they made up that that money pretty decently. Uh, injuries to the cast and crew were, were also part of this uh, production. Ellen Bernstein and Linda Blair have lasting consequences from back injuries. Bernstein occurred during the scene where the possessed Reagan throws Chris backwards. The take used in the film left her unable to film for two weeks and on crutches for the rest of the shoot with a fractured coccyx. Uh, it has caused her chronic problems since then. And then Ray, uh, Linda Blair fractured her lower spine when she uh, when she was strapped to the rocking bed. And she developed scoliosis because of this and has had long-term effects since then. Uh, a carpenter cut his thumb off and a lighting technician lost his toe in different accidents. <laughs> and Friedkin has come has been on record saying he uh, believed that there might have been some supernatural interference. I'm not a convert to the cult, he told a horror film magazine. But after all I've seen on this film, I definitely believe in demonic possession. And we are plagued by strange and sinister things from the beginning. Yeah, this is a lot. This is a lot. Do you have anything else on the curse of the film, Jack? Because you, you seem to know um, about it. I I think you're pretty yeah, you're pretty much covering everything that I have read at least yeah it was so I, it was a lot but yeah no it, it was a it was a shit show to say the least for sure when it comes to maestro's corner i'm gonna leave casting because there are some casting stuff that i'll get into later which are pretty fun to discuss um do you know who turned down the job for this jack i do as my motherfucking guy so he's goldsmith no even herman. Oh. bernard herman oh herman herman okay he turned down the job after viewing a rough cut on the film. Uh, he felt the minimal opening secret, uh, opening credit deprived the composer of the opportunity to establish a musical mood with an overture. Um, in 1975, Herman said that Freakin objected to his intention to use an organ as well, saying, I don't want any Catholic music in my picture. And insisted on sharing composing credit. So the music was ultimately composed by Jack Nets- 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 Nietzsche. 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 But the iconic 
theme of the movie was not composed by him. It was composed by Mike Oldfield. Oldfield. So, interesting. Tubular Bells. I guess Tubular Bells is all we can really think about. I, I, there's, there's like one or two more drops in the movie that I think are really good. There, there is another drop that is honest. I mean, Tubular Bells. Yeah, like that's obviously like the music moment. But I've, I've got something else written down for Maurice Jar later because. I, I always forget how, like, aside from that and a couple other moments, there isn't really a ton of, like, significant music moments in this movie. It's a lot of silence, which which works for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Hunter, what do you think of the music? I, uh, yeah, the opening shots with the high strings where if you played it loud enough at the ears, you could make people's ears bleed if you played it like that. <laughs> it is nails on a chalkboard kind of thing, but the right amount where it doesn't piss me off, it's a middle ground between... Like, goddamn, that is hard to hear, and but also really scary to listen to. So when the titles are going and then the, the, the I don't want to call it the deity statue in Iraq when it's zooming in on him, but the, mm-hmm. we're closing on Iraq. That's that's a good moment right there. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, this is one of those, like, there's some moments that stick out, but it's that tubular bells that really has stood yeah. the test of time. Um, so this movie was released perfect for a holiday it was released on a holiday season just not the holiday holiday. yep so this movie was released on december 26 1973 uh with a budget like i mentioned of 12 million the movie grossed 441 million dollars so i think it did i'm pretty sure the sting was also like released around the same time so that was the double feature of back then the the extra sting i suppose (laughs) that's their barbenheimer (laughs) the now moving on to the trophy room section of our of our discussion, I think this this is probably something I I never looked up, and I was kind of shocked that this movie only has a seventy eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was just certified fresh. I saw like a few weeks ago. <laughs> I, I like they made a post about it and everything. I don't I don't get it. Uh, the movie was nominated for. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten, uh, ten Oscars. So it was nominated for Best Picture, Director, Actress, Supporting Actor. One of my favorite Supporting Actress nominations maybe ever with Linda Blair getting in there. Screenplay, Art Direction, Cinematography, Film Editing, and Sound. It won two Oscars. It won Sound and it won uh, Screenplay. Um, I Can we make a case for literally everybody here to win? Yeah. I was thinking about that when I my my big rewatch of it came last year when it like fully like jumped on my top 100 and yeah. I had that thought too. I was like, you know, those three actors could have won and I probably wouldn't have batted an eye to be quite I, honest. I'm I'm very glad I won sound though because watching mm-hmm. this movie like the sound is just incredible <laughs> in this movie. The hard part is all these people won Oscars and look at it right now. I have not seen these movies, so it's really hard mm-hmm. for me to say. But it's like probably not gonna be as good as the exorcist performers but i don't know yeah i'm with you like it's it's i don't know sting's fine but sting's great movie i just think it's it's just a happier movie in the end too so i think it's it's, i i do prefer the sting but like ah they're both great but i i liked it it's ripe for like the academy at that time have you you seen this best actor lineup this is like an all-timer in terms of just stars like who who won that year wait that was jack Jack lemon saved the tiger 
Jack yeah, Swift, yeah. Lemon Winston, Save the Tiger. Then you have Marlon Brando, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, and Robert Redford nominated. Like, Pacino, Pacino like was Serpico. All star level. Pacino was Serpico? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and it's ooh, like, Nicholson in Last Detail. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good performance. And this and we and the other uh awards that I wanted to bring up were the Globes because it did win picture at the Globes. Wow. So was, was did, this did, did, comedy? Yeah. Uh, no drama. Wow, okay. The Globes, I guess. That's that's really one cool. of those movies cuz the Sting <laughs> could re- yeah, you could push the Sting comedy. Wait, yeah. oh yeah, I was going to say the Sting was in comedy. Oh, so it, they it so, was in comedy. Yes. So I guess so he it went up against oh, okay. Cinderella, Liberty, The Day oh of the Jackal, Last Tango in Paris, Save the Tiger, Serpico. So, yeah, okay. So essentially, The Exorcist in reality was number two in the, in the yes. long run. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And That's then good, it also won supporting actress at the Globe and director. So they oh. they it, the it did go hard in terms of AFI. Oh, did, did they did they get freaking director the previous year of the Globes? I'd like to see that. I'm or, not sure. Uh, French Connection. If they went two years. Yeah, if they went two years in a row on them, or, or sorry, there's there's a two year gap, but you know, yes, if they did yes, for the they, last they, movie. They doubled up on French Connection as well. Interesting. Okay, let's okay. see. Yeah. AFI, not in the top one hundred. Yeah, that that kind of surprised yeah. me. I I didn't see if it was nominated though. I I would I think I'd have to dig a little deeper for that, but I'd expect it to be given its yeah, high we... presence on one of its other significant lists. Do we do we guess we all guess it'll be make it in? Yeah. Yeah. For the next Whatever. one probably, probably. Whenever it happens. At this point, we we have to, we have to find out when it is and we have to do a whole 100 like full 100 list predictions just to see how many we get right. I think that sounds like a blended idea. That sounds like a it's, plan. Yeah. It sounds absolutely <laughs> crazy, but it would be so much fun. And who knows it might not be for another 15 years because they're goddamn taking their time now. I think at this point you're right. Well, it was 98 98 and 07, so I think 2000 10 years, yeah. but they just didn't. And there's been no word since. Like, literally not a thing. Like, oh, no. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, In terms of 100 Years, 100 Thrills, it's number three. And then 100 Years, Heroes and Villains, Reagan. I don't agree with this. Reagan is well, not the I villain. Will, I, I will say, no, no. If you look at the list, it is denoted in parentheses with Pazuzu. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. They're not just so singling her out, but. Yeah. Fuck her. You know, goddamn it. <laughs> The, the, the villain on The Exorcist should be on the list. <laughs> yeah. The film had led to multiple sequels, which we talked about already. But I highly, 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 like, not even joking, recommend you guys watch the first season of the television series that dropped in, like, 20, I think it was 2017, 2018. It is, I'll, it's a spoiler. It's a sequel to the movie, direct sequel. It's really, really good stuff. Unfortunately, the second season sucked, and then they canceled the show. Um, but the first season's really good. Um, all right, what's age the best, Jack? All right, I'll rip the bandaid off. The opening. Uh, oh my god! I think I think the first ten minutes of this movie works incredibly well. I feel that if you don't have this opening, then Marin coming in doesn't work nearly as well. Um, and I th- kind of like what you mentioned that earlier with like the the statue i think it just works so well with boosting the mood of the movie and just kind of painting the picture of like how global of a thing this is and how um 
yeah, just the overall vibe it instantly brings. I love uh, the loud, quiet transitions, uh, just especially near the like kind of the middle of the movie when you start to slowly get there. Um, like the scream to silent. There's a lot of those also in like Alien. So I'm a big fan of those. Um, Friedkin's choice to cast unknowns. Uh, we're going to talk more about mm-hmm. some of the some of the potential Karis castings. And while those are certainly fun to hypothesize about, I think Jason Miller is just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spider Walk, despite its short lifespan, I always forget that that was introduced in the director's cut, but mm. that essentially has become like a synonymous thing with the movie so um, jack let me cut you off there so that spider walk when i first saw it that was one of the big things you're like you're finally going to be able to see the spider walk and mm-hmm. it it definitely is one of the moments of that movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um hmm. another thing in the director's cut like the subliminal faces i i really really mm-hmm. like those um specifically the one in the kitchen uh and, and then the final 25 minutes really just i mean I, I, that, that yeah i mean just starting with the marin mm-hmm. shot i mean that's just like one of the that's on like the short list of like all-time movie shots specifically like poster shots i can't i don't think i could think of a better shot in a movie that's also the poster um and yeah awesome hunter what do you got here um i said this movie deserved best sound and it I think all the sound effects, especially at the beginning where the dialogue, you can barely hear in the beginning, which is fine because it's all subtitles, so whatever. But you just hear this world, this world going on and just introduces you into this. Any, you know, the voices of Regan, the uh, the, the sound effect is just creepy, creepy uh, stuff about the movie. I actually think, and it's also really cool this movie won adapted screenplay because I think it's the, all the subplots, you know, Damien's mother subplot the, or father cares or whatever yeah and the the lee j cobb as the cop you know like i, I think in like 99 percent of other movies these b plots i'm like just throw them away i don't care and this movie I actually really love them and care about them which is a great thing and then i would say age the best even though it's my least favorite part of the movie is the hospital sequences because goddamn those are gross yeah, and horrifying to watch seriously that neck tube scene is probably the worst scene i've ever seen in my life in terms of i just look away i'm I, like fuck this i've seen this movie like 20 30 times in my life and i do the same thing that's when they put like, that oh yeah yeah it oh is, it is so gross i totally the, agree the sound effects of the machines but it just sounds like they're goddamn rattling the machines while they're like x-raying here i'm like this is awful who let this who let these hospitals like this in the 70s like totally agree terrible that's why it's so good but also i hate it um awesome all right for me what's age the best director's cuts i think this is Mm -hmm. perfect example why we should have them i don't don't think i've ever seen the original cut so i don't even know because i I know the spider walks on hbo max i think that's i don't think they have the director's cut on there um, okay. yeah. the I really like the intro to Reagan's bedroom leading to the opening title card. I think that mm. works really well. Max Van Max von Sydow, um, he was fucking forty four years old in this movie. The makeup huh? on him, like yeah. what the, f- 
And then they I'll, make him look like he's goddamn eighty. And know? then when you see him in in Force Awakens, he looks like he did in The Exorcist. And I'm like, oh man, yeah. they've really got the makeup spot on, like almost fifty years hey, prior. Dave, have you seen uh, the Seventh Seal? I own it, but I haven't seen it. No. Okay, yeah, that's like the youngest Max von Sydow you'll probably see. And, and, then, and then, of course, like it's also hilarious to be like, oh, that's the guy from Flash Gordon. So, yeah, he's a truly <laughs> all too, over the place. It's, it's really too bad Best Makeup wasn't invented yet at the Oscars to brought in. Because this, oh, obviously, with Reagan's makeup tours, like, this movie deserved it so much in terms yeah. of just everything going on. Um, Literally every Linda Blair scene, starting from... Like the moment she has her first doctor's appointment, all the way to literally the end, Spider Crawl, first interaction with Karis, the image, uh, the final exorcism, uh, the image of Marin arriving, which is the iconic yep. shot of the movie, yeah. um, yeah. and cinephile cops. Gotta love Lee J. Cobb being a cinephile. Always want to go to the movies. And then we get a Lucio Bald name drop too in the movie. I'm like, all right, let's let's fucking go. And uh, Jack Renault, a.k.a. Carl. Carl's my guy. God. Big fan of Carl. One of the best employees you could ever have. We'll talk about him a little later for sure. Uh, what's age of the worst? Jack, what do you got? I have only one thing, and it's the anti-religious arguments in the movie. And it just is fascinating because I'm like, aren't the priests the good guys? Like, like they're, they're the heroes. Like, they're the ones who save the girls. So that was the one, like... This kind of thing that, like, even reading now, reading now, I'm like, I, I, I don't see it. It's kind of how, like, even looking at like stuff today and people's takes on like Barbie, and I'm like, that's what you got out of the movie. Like, I didn't see that whatsoever, but mm-hmm. you know, it's fascinating to see just kind of re- reading the different takes of this and how they might have gotten there. I just didn't see it, but no, I mean. Not a, not a lot has really aged worse here. It really came down to nitpicking at that point. For sure. Um, Jet, uh, Hunter, what do you got? Um, I didn't really have anything aged worse. I don't think anything's really worse. The only thing I thought about when I first watched it, and there were some people when I showed it at Film Club that were like, it takes a really long time for something to actually quote-unquote happen in this yeah. movie. Like, There's nothing scary within the first 45 minutes of this movie where if you're expecting this, this the scariest, I mean... There's some like scary-ish stuff, but it's not what you're coming to this movie for. And if you're coming to this movie for the scariest movie of all time, it takes a while. But I think the filler is just as compelling, so it's fine. Can I add? I, I, yeah. I, you you might have had this like later on in like trivia day, but you, all the stories of like the like the people reacting to the movie in the theaters. There was one report of somebody being carried out in a stretcher 20 minutes in. And I'm like, she really didn't like, she really like the dogs, like the dogs fighting. Like it was scary, which like, if that was it, then like, understand. I think we, I think we found out who the Islamophobic in the audience was. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Uh, What, what do you got here, Hunter? That's why that's all it was. That's all it was. I said it's just a little slow, but like that's not even a problem. But that's I think it's a problem to some people. And it was to me when I first watched the movie that you're in Iraq for 15 minutes. You're like, what are we doing here? And then eventually yeah. it all comes together. It, it all feels right. Yeah. Uh, same for me, nitpicky at best. Yeah. Uh, every sequel except the third. 
So we'll, we'll go there. That was, uh, that's when we get to my Mount Rushmore, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. <laughs> well, uh, I'll throw this this little one out for you, Jack. Me thinking that the opening overstays its welcome. It did not yeah. bother me this time at all. I see why it exists. I'm perfectly okay with it. Um, let me see what else. Here we go. Doctors misdiagnosing without any details. Like they just like throw every diagnosis at Chris McNeil, like without any proof whatsoever. The all these doctors are terrible. What about they're favorite? firing a machine gun here. They're gonna make it stick. One of the funniest lines in Community, uh, and I, I I always think about it when I watch this movie. Uh, it's just a lot of like, if doctors are so smart, why are there so many of them? <laughs> I'm just like, and and this movie, I'm like, yeah, like here you go, and just like the extent of stuff, and then yeah, like Ellen Burstyn's like frustration. That's like one of the most like upsetting things about the movie, and that it's what makes her character work the most, I think. I do think it it's a it's a serious scene, obviously, but I always chuckle on the line delivery of the doctor when he's like, "Well, your daughter told me to get her my hands off her goddamn cunt." The, the line delivery on that is so funny, <laughs> even though it's a serious moment in the movie. Um, but yeah, that's honestly it. This movie is pretty perfect, so no, yeah, no complaints here. All right, the Joe Spinell that guy award. Listen, I. I, I want to just throw Lee J. Cobb in here because it's fucking See, Lee J. Cobb, man. It's Lee J. Cobb. I was going to say, that was my issue. Like, there are no, like, kind of, like, like bit players in this movie. It's either, like, everybody I know on a first-name basis, basis or it's, like, Father, like, Reverend William O'Malley, who was, like, you know, not even an actor and was brought in for, like... Mm-hmm. So it, it's tough, but if I had to say, I would say Lee J. Cobb because when I rewatched it, he popped up. I was like, "Oh, it's juror number three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, Hunter, do you have any anything any here? I I, I had Lee because it was like either they could be on the poster in terms of screen time, or they're just not in the movie at all. So I was like, "Well, Lee J. Cobb doesn't show up till literally over an hour into it." So I was like, "That's eh, close enough right there." And I'm like, "He just wants to talk about movies. No one else wants to do it." And, it feel bad from no, there was no podcast at the time. He's like he just he can't get his fix. And, and the so worst part bad. about it is, even though obviously we know the uh, irony nature, the ironic nature of the end of the movie, but man, no one wants to even go to the movies with this guy. Like after all this happened, like you should just pity, like just like be like just just go to the movie, man. Like you just saw some shit. <laughs> Seriously, um, this one I left blank. Almart Almartino missed cast award. I think this movie's pretty spot on. Yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have anyone either. I was like, eh. All right. I, I couldn't pick on anyone. There was no one to pick on. I couldn't even I didn't, couldn't even nitpick or cop out. I was like, nope, can't do it. Our Thomas Mitchell best supporting player is does anyone have not Jason Miller here? Uh well he is supporting actor, I guess they call him. I, I, I was like, I, I, put, I, I, I put Lee J. Cobb just because that was kind of like the big like the trifecta of like Jason Miller, Ellen Burst, and Linda Blair wanted to go outside of there. And again, that would, his two scenes are so fucking good. And mm-hmm. honestly, maybe two of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, and he's such a cinephile policeman that even when he meets Chris wait, McNeil. Oh, let, yeah, let me go on and say this, Dave. Here we go. My horror cop, like, dead streak has finally hit an uptick. We got we got a good law enforcement. Well, well, movie. hold on. We go. Hold on. This is where my 
streak continues of really shitty cops. This man, he knows what's going on with with Reagan, and this guy speaks to Chris McNeil, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, can I have your autograph?" How unprofessional is that? <laughs> still getting the job. Still getting the job done. Could have, could have you know, withheld information. He doesn't even citizen. get the job done. He doesn't do anything. It's hard for it's. It's like the doctors; they can't, just can't do anything. He does all he can within his bounds. Like he doesn't, he doesn't know Reagan. Like he, he doesn't know Reagan. Does he ever actually see her? No, I don't think he has scenes with her. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I was like, what's he supposed to do, law enforcement? This is this is for the this is for God only. Only God can do this. Investigating the director, not Reagan. So he's in his own world. Yeah, but I. I think Jason Miller's incredible in this movie. I think everything he does is phenomenal. So I went with him. Hunter, you said you went somewhere else? No, I went Jason Miller's. Awesome. All right. Maurice, you are music drop. So I, there's two here that you can drop. I mean, for me, I used the, you could use for me. I have the first drop of the tubular bells and Chris McNeil's walking. I really yep. think that's good. And honestly, the credit, the credit music drop at the end. I have the credit. Yeah, it's a good way I have the credit music at the opening. Oh, that's yeah, also the opening. Good. That's uh, also the, 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 like, like uh, what Hel- or like what Hunter was saying, like the scratching nails on the yeah. chalkboard yeah, violin, yeah. and then and then it goes into like the the Arabic chanting, like yeah, that's solid it, too. Yeah. Incredible mood building. Um, the Black Turtle Night Guy Award for so this is where I thought you were gonna gonna put Lee J Cobb because he didn't have a lot of scenes, but I'm gonna go with Rudolph Schindler as Carl. <laughs> Listen, man, he's cooking. He's cooking from every time he's every to every scene he's in. This man gets in a fight with a movie director because his movie director is racist and prejudiced. Um, he literally talks back to Chris McNeil, his boss, because he doesn't he feels that like she is wrong. Like, shout out to Carr, and most importantly, he's the one that puts the cross under her. Although it ends up being bad consequences for Reagan, he's he is yeah. he is trying to like help. As much as he can. Yeah, he's he's going to have to tell her how that happened. <laughs> like, well, That's, I was going to put it there. And like, then the demon did the rest. But, I, you know. I'm a big fan of Carl. What do you, what do you, what do you have here, Jack? So, got two things. I think, Eve, first off, could we throw Max von Sydow in here? He is only Ooh, in like is the. True. That he is, is true. only yeah. like the first ten minutes of the movie, and then the last like twenty. The so, hard part is the last twenty is the most iconic part. Yeah. But he does. He has very little screen time. That's true. Um, and then the other one, somebody who. Somebody who is not on screen themselves, but their voice is Mercedes McCambridge. Oh, it's Pazuzu. The, mm. the voice of Pazuzu, yeah, who was a big. A big rift in the Linda Blair Oscar campaign because once they found out that that wasn't her voice, that was a big, uh, like, oh no, like she shouldn't get the Oscar there. But I, I, I'd still, I want to hold that against Linda herself. But no, I mean, either of them, honestly, I think both of them are great. For sure, uh, Hunter, what do you got here? I didn't even know Mercedes McCambridge was the voice. I yeah. only just watched all the King's Men like a month ago. She's great in that movie. <laughs> and that's like 30 years before that. 25 years, I guess, before that. That's great for her. Um, this one, I only picked someone that's... She's in the movie, but she would not be on the poster at all. I picked Kitty Wynn as Sharon, the assistant slash nanny slash mm. living lady, I guess. 
because uh, she's pretty much there the whole time, and she's going through this shit as well. So, yeah. and she's gonna get a super good reference the next time she goes for a job. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> but also, it's hard to say because she get you know she's she's supposed to protect and be the guardian of Reagan when Chris is out, and all of this happens. But at the same time, what the hell is she supposed to do? Oh, absolutely. Um, mm. And then the Icebox MVP of the film. I mean, you could throw this like in every direction, like Linda I, Blair, William Friedkin, Ellen Bernstein. I think like all three deserve a shout out. So what do you got, Jack? I've got Friedkin and Mercedes McCambridge. I think those mm. are the two. Uh, I mean, Friedkin, obviously, we can we can discuss the extent to which he maybe didn't need to push it to that limit on set. Yep, we'll talk about that the, in a, yeah. but, but the out, but you certainly can't deny the quality of the output. And then Mercedes McCambridge, I mean that's like been the voice of nightmares for half a century now. So All right. And what do you got? Tonner. Uh, I had Linda Blair as well, but it was a close one where I probably could have just done a three-way tie between Burston, Friedkin and Blair, but I said a lot of a lot of movies use kids as kind of cheap ways to make us care about them because we don't want kids to die but this one i think the child actor is so good that i had no issue with it and she nails both the innocence and the absolute just perversity needed for this role really well it's crazy i don't even care that the voice isn't hers when she's the demon it's the actions are still hers, so that counts for a lot of it for sure all right mount rushmore um is this mount rushmore for child performances I was just yes. writing that in my notes. I literally, yes. I literally had it down too. <laughs> I think I had, I had Linda Blair, uh, Haley Joel, Henry Thomas, Haley Joel's one, and then I had Macaulay Culkin for Home Alone. Oh, I actually I, have him too. That's great. I, I don't, I don't like the movie, but that movie all hinges on him, and I like him. And I, I chose actors who are like, they're like twelve or younger. I didn't want like sixteen-year-olds because like that yeah. is like technically child. Like high, you know, high school acting. Yeah. yeah I, I try to be like, these are like kids, kids, you know? Yeah, Henry Thomas is my one, and then Linda Blair is my two. Yeah. Those are like my top okay. two. Uh, Jack, is there anyone that no one named here? I, I, I think that four is probably good, and then like in fifth, I would probably put the trifecta of the Harry Potter kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I had that in there too. But yeah. the only reason I wouldn't do that because it's when I, I would I would have to combine. I, yeah, I just put one. I, I've got to have them all, or I can't have any. Because they get better, like when the movies get more serious. So yeah, that's, yeah. As, as they sense. get older. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, also, I also like Anna Paquin. The piano. Oh is yeah, also that's, great. That's right. good too. Saoirse Ronan for Atonement is great. So. Tatum O'Neill and Paper Moon is. Yes, I hadn't seen who, that. Who, I, who that's who beat uh, Linda Blair? Yeah, yeah. 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 Goddamn, uh, making ch what, children what, pit against each other in the Oscars. Goddamn. So, <laughs> this is an inch. Is this Mount Rushmore for mother daughter in movie combos? Ooh. That's such a wide ranging one. I don't even yeah. know. Right now, I yeah, have no that, that idea. Would need, that would need to be a Google search. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google search for mother daughter relationships in film. Let's we'll see what happens. Probably. I think it's up there. I mean, in terms of endearment, it says someone will say a late. Someone will say later bird, but I will disagree one thousand percent on that. Uh, probably this one's most complex. This is the article. Well, this is a pretty complex relationship between this mother and daughter in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> and we get to see uh, her budding again in Exorcist Believer. Um, <laughs> God, that's. 
that's definitely the worst part of the movie too when they say like i don't know where she is anymore i'm like ah, ah, she's coming back guys God damn this! All right, this movie actually is going to go down a star next <laughs> for now. Horror movie themes. So, all right, Halloween, Psycho, The Exorcist, and for me, Nightmare on Elm Street. Those are my four. Like themes themselves, like for the movie. Um, let's see. Top because you could like. I, I, I think this just misses out because you. I got to factor in Jaws. I got to factor oh, the in. Whole horror the, movie. I got to factor. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a horror theme. That is a horror theme. Yeah. That is a horror theme. Yeah. Oh yeah, the theme definitely um, is. The theme is playing for a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, uh dinner dinner party's gone wrong. <laughs> the, the, okay, Dave, have you ever listened to the rewatchables episode of, on the exorcist? They go no. into this dinner party and it is quite it is quite a it's really? quite a funny discussion. One of the most like diverse like get like guest lists at like a party like you got an astronaut you got a priest you got like a true melting pot if you will it's a real exorcist believer situation where they just threw the avengers of religion in that movie and here it's just everybody (laughs) uh let me see what else do i got here uh mount rushmore go ahead go ahead Dinner party's gone wrong. Would every murder mystery count? Because usually they're having dinner and somebody dies, kind of. So, ways. Clue. I think Clue's up there. Yeah. Uh, Does anyone have dinner? Is it dinner when somebody dies in Glass Onion? I guess nobody technically dies. No, because in, but... in Knives Out, it's not during dinner. And then during. Yeah. And then in the Glass Onion, it's not. Yeah, it's not during dinner either. Actually, no one Maybe. dies in Glass Onion, right? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, we can spoil it for a movie a year later. Uh, It's already kept. People have seen it. You've had opportunities to see this movie, people. I'm sorry. Batista. Batista. Oh, shit. He does die. That's right. I forgot. I forgot. I was like, somebody had to have died. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, that wasn't during dinner, though. So it's fine. I don't care. The most popular movie last year, and if you didn't see it, I'm sorry. It sucks to be you, I guess. I, I do feel bad for whoever had to clean that rug after because that must have been hard to get that smell yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mount Rushmore for director's cuts. Well. Blade Runner. Blade Runner at the top. Blade Runner. Out. This is. Um, well, I haven't seen the Heaven's a, Gate one. Time I've... in America. Yeah, that's on oh, there yeah. too. It's probably up there. I mean, Kingdom of Heaven. I I would because the original one sucks so much, and that one's at least a good movie. I would put this over it, but that's definitely in oh yeah as well. Apocalypse Now, whatever one you're picking, I guess. There's like six different cuts of Apocalypse Now. I don't know which one's actually. I think I would go with this. The the thing with Apocalypse Now, though, is I feel like I mean, at least with me and Apocalypse Now, like the director's cuts and all that those kind of come off more as like supplemental for me whereas like my my enjoyment of blade runner i think really hinges on like the the, the later cuts like the the narration yeah yeah. what do you count uh superman 2 as then because it's a whole different movie at that point (sighs) yeah yeah Yeah, like that that was that's a whole like story about the different cuts for that one so could say that one too could is probably up there yeah um all right yeah, i think that's yeah. probably up there iconic filming locations mount rushmore as in the stairs 
Ooh. Oh. Well, are the, are the Joker stairs in there now? That's yeah. up there. <laughs> I, was gonna say, the I think Joker the stairs, stairs have been... might, have, might have replaced them. Best stairs in movies. Joker stairs really are getting the popularity yeah, contest and, on that one. And trust me, people go there, so I definitely, yeah. I definitely see it. And then, I mean, what would what would hurt more, taking a tumble down these stairs or the Joker stairs? The Joker, because they are very, 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 very okay. long. Um, okay. Alrighty, and then finally, demon names. Pazuzu on the Mount Rushmore see, demon names. I'm gonna guess. I'm not going to mean most demon names are stupid. I don't remember them. So. <laughs> I was going to say, can, can you throw out some other ones for, for yeah. reference? What's, what's, what's the name in the Conjuring movies of the demon or the nun movies? Whatever they are. Hold on. I don't I'm, know. I'm looking this up. Because I've, I've watched two Conjuring movies and a nun movie, and I still don't remember what the da- damn demon name is. All right. So the last, ex- the last Exorcism, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, the demon name is called Abalam. In Drag Me to Hell... The demon is called the Lamaya. In Sinister, the demon is called Bagul. Annabelle <clears throat> technically Annabelle is technically stupid. is a demon, so that's not a terrible name. Sure. Um, the Evil Dead would you call that a demon, Jack? What the the Deadites? And that the Deadites? No. Mm. I don't. That's the thing. I feel like Evil Dead's kind of in their own thing because we were talking about possession movies earlier. I was like, well, Evil Dead kind of constitutes. So I guess if you want to call Hereditary a possession movie, Paimon or whatever that demon is called. Problem is that doesn't happen. Well, the the very, very, very end of the movie really comes into play. Yeah, so I think that's it. I think think Pazuzu takes the dub. Yeah, Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what do you you got here, Jack? Do you have anything for Mount Rushmore? The, the ones that you you all didn't touch on poster shots. Oh like yeah, E.T.'s e, yeah, e, 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 yeah. up there. E.T.'s up there too. Um, yeah. Let's see. Ho- horror sound design. My big three: Alien, Exorcist, Shining, and then some fourth that I am blanking on. Uh, and then I guess just like the big convo. What about horror movies? It's my number five. Personal that was hard. Personal preference. I, 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 yeah. I, if I, it's, I, it's not, it's not like in my top straight, four. Straight horrors, I'd probably... I guess in the in the general like lexicon of film, I guess it would be in the Mount Rushmore horror movies if people yeah. talked about them. That's my thing. It's not. It's not in my top four, but just the fact that it's held that moniker of being the scariest movie ever and yeah. has enough people to back up the claim. I'd. I'd. I'd put it in like my broad uh, Mount Rushmore. But yeah, conversations yeah, no, those... wise, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else you got? Do you got anything else? No, those are my big three there. Alrighty, uh, Hunter. Do you have anything? Uh. I... I had the child performance one. I said horror movies released during winter, not January, because that's a dumping ground now. <laughs> I had, but I only could think of three, and one of them's not even good. I, I looked up, I was like, what other like December releases for horror movies were there? The Exorcist. Um, technically, if you want to call it a horror movie, Scream. Uh, yeah. Because I was released Christmas 96. And then the only other one I found was The Faculty, the Robert Rodriguez movie, was released on Christmas Day. But now it's become January is now the time to get your horror movies out. I mean, yeah, usually sure. not the good ones. <laughs> Alrighty. So, 
and, and then, the only other one has horror movies with needless sequels only because they made so much goddamn money. Well, that'll never, ever change, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. I, I was like, Exorcist was one where it's like, look, the story's complete. The number one is definitely Jaws, because yeah. what the hell is the sequel? This, this is Shark. But yet, they still did it. They, the other they, one, I haven't seen it. I'll be seeing is Blair Witch Project. Like, you know, that's... they. They made this movie and they had no indication of making money, and then they fast tracked that shit. So it's interesting because yeah. that fra- is definitely the top. Like re rewatching a lot of these franchises, like this, like Texas Texas Chainsaw, it just makes me appreciate like as fucking out there as the Halloween franchise and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth. Man, at least they, for me at least, they still remain the, for the majority fun and entertaining. Like some of these movies it's, are just dreadful, just so dreadful. I, I, I do applaud you for sticking to these franchises when you're in like tenth the tenth edition of it the eleventh and it's just like God and it's been it's been fourteen years it just since gets to a point at this point it's been fourteen years since we've gotten a Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Friday the Thirteenth movie I think when we get back there I'm very interested in the direction they go. Um, Especially Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street is going to be the toughest one because of the whole uh, Robert England thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, let me see what else. Uh, and that, yeah, so that's pretty much it there. Before we get into our facts, just the legacy on the movie. I think someone, um, Cinema Cine wrote, um, and I do agree. The Exorcist did for horror what 2001 did for science fiction. Do you, would you agree yeah, with that? No, it took a. Comp- took a B-movie genre and brought it down to reality and pretty much put it in a way that was more realistic than anybody had before. So, yeah, that's a yeah. fair... Oh, I, I, I forgot well, found, forgot about Rushmore. And it's, this is a hard one to look up. Barbenheimer's on there, but top movies box office of the year released on the same day. This and The Sting were released on the same day. Oh, yeah. Tech. yeah. The Sting was Christmas like 25th, Day. This was December 26th. 26th. Yeah, yeah just like, it's, it's enough. But, like, Barbenheimer and then these two movies, complete opposite of the one the grandparents go see and one the kids go see in terms of the sting. and uh, What's the combined uh, box office? Do you have that? I mean, this is um, – I can't tell. This is not inflated, but The Exorcist was $88 million and The Sting was $80 million, So okay. right there. Nice. Number three um, was at $55 million was American Graffiti. So – George Lucas here. He's just plugging away. Uh, studios. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jack. I was gonna say even like Paper Moon made like thirty million. Yeah, Paper Moon so was. Every, everything 20, was making its change. Yeah, Twenty million adjusted, hundred million, whatever. I don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah. So because of, of because of the success of this, uh, not only does it goes into uh, Hunter's comments about sequels, but you know when something a theme. A, th- a, th- a movie with a specific theme does well, every other studio is going to try to copy it. So because of this, we got movies such as The Sentinel, Audrey Rose, and the most popular two from that era, The Omen and The Amityville Horror. The Omen and The Amityville Horror are fine. They're they're good. I don't think they're terrible or anything, but they're not classics like this. Um, I mean, I haven't even heard of the first two you said. I have no idea what those are. And then which – and I guess – the Shining is more of a haunted house type of movie more than a possession movie per se. Yeah, so no, 
was that was got a lot more going around it. Yeah. So you you can count <laughs> that is differently. A much more confusing movie. What was the book written? I want to see. Oh, 77. So it's okay, it's yeah. afterwards. But I balance, yeah, there's enough going on separately. And this is one of the first signs that Warner Brothers initiated a sequel uh that was not intended to have a sequel, which launched the franchise. Um now do you know uh Many of the classic horror films, like the '30s, had spawned series of films. The practice had been had been on declines since uh, the 1960s, and the Exorcist kind of put that all the way up to the front. So, um, some fun facts of the movie before we go. Uh, there's a lot of freak in here, Jack. Kind of the stuff that you were you were hinting at before. So the first one is already a freaking one. Jason Miller. And Friedkin did not get along on set. As a matter of fact, they had a major verbal confrontation after the director fired a gun near his ear to get an authentic reaction out of him. He told Friedkin that he was an actor and that he didn't need a gun to act surprised and startled. Friedkin's fucking wild, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those where um, I was reading about the Kane mutiny filming. They're like, Friedkin's such a gentle guy. He was so nice on set. I was like, what? <laughs> I guess when he's like, you know, he's like 87, he died. I was like, well, when you're 86 years old, maybe you lighten up. But I was like, yeah, 50 years ago, he was a goddamn dick. <laughs> he was yeah. a monster. After, and after, like, the the raving success of French Connection, who's not yeah. to... Who, I mean, I... You know. How crazy would it be and be like, oh, I should just keep doing what I did last time or even do more of it, so... Yeah. And on the on the first day of rehear of rehearsing the exorcism sequence, Linda Blair's delivery of the foul mouth dialogue disturbed Max von Sydow that he actually forgot his lines. That one's a fun one. Uh, according to Freakin, the subliminal shots for the white faced demon are actually rejected makeup tests for Macon's possessed appearance. Speaking Interesting. Of, right? Speaking of those, did you guys see the um, like the trailer for the Exorcist? Oh, Not for, I have, but like, I so haven't. Er, it was it's like the first trailer. trailer. It, we would uh, call it. I think it would be like a teaser yeah, nowadays, like, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just has Marin arrive at the house, and then it has the. It just cuts to a bunch of like, like a bunch of those like images, and it's just like like uh, ne negative I I, images. I think basically. I read it was banned. I think I read it was banned in some places just because it was like too scary. I'm like, maybe it's scary, scary yeah. shit too. And I like it because it tells you absolutely nothing. It's like gives you the iconic shot and gives you scary music. It's like perfect. I'm in. I'm ready. Now we get to some of the casting, which was. This is I, I am so happy Freakin put his foot down on some of these things because uh, I think it would have changed the trajectory of what we feel about the movie. So the studio wanted Marlon Brando to play Father Karras or Father Marin. They did not care. Uh, Freakin immediately vetoed saying, if you include Brando in the film, it would become a Brando movie instead of the important film he wanted to make. Coincidentally, Brando is also mentioned in the novel of the, the Exorcist. Um, another casting one, Jack Nicholson was up for the part of Father Karras before Jason Miller landed the role. Freakin' thought he was too unholy to play a priest. <laughs> I mean, he is right. But th this is also Nicholson early-ish. Yeah, so he could do it. He, good. He, that was the one where I was like, Jack Nicholson would have probably killed that performance. Yeah. However, it's also, however, yeah. I was going to say, keep oh. him in the last detail. 
give Jason Miller the exorcist. Yeah. All, all's well. I mean, it, it wouldn't work because what the Witches of Eastbrook, he literally plays the devil. The devil. Like, yeah, that's 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 Jack Nicholson. He can play the devil. <laughs> that makes sense. So, like, so playing a priest is a little different for him. Now, in regard to uh, Chris, there is there's one specific one that I would have just been interested in seeing. Uh, so Jane Fonda. Uh, were considered rejected and Bancroft rejected it but Audrey Hepburn was also offered the part and I kind of that's the one that I was like mm, I'd be interested I mean yeah really fascinating but that one yeah Carol Burnett those are wrong I don't know so. no and I mean Ellen Burstein's great but it's just you know oh yeah would love to see Audrey in it Carol Burnett uh met Friedkin but Friedkin believed she was uh had the range she did not have the range beyond her comic TV persona to play the role. So, um, directors considered uh, for The Exorcist doubted that a young actress could carry the film, which led to Mike Nichols turning down the film for that reason. And Mike addition- Nichols, The Exorcist. Okay, yeah, man. <laughs> not that he couldn't do uh, it because right, he did any he did any genre, but I was like, that'd be weird. Um, other directors considered Arthur Penn, John Borman, Peter Bogdanovich, mm. Stanley Kubrick. They actually hired Mark Riddell, but Blatty ins- insisted on Friedkin, uh, and that led to um, Friedkin coming on. Uh, Kubrick, we got his horror movie, so I'm happy either way. I so. do think Borman would honestly be the we would have gotten the closest thing get he given that he directed deliverance, which mm-hmm. was ki- kind of a similar, like grounded kind of documentary esque movie that probably would have been where we laid closest to what we actually got, but I'm glad we got freaking, uh, in terms of what if possibilities before freaking actually got his hands on it. Um, Alfred Hitchcock turned down the rights to, to acquire, he turned down the chance to acquire the screen rights to the novel and turned down the chance to direct the film with another producer uh, when the, when another producer brought the rights to the property. I, uh, I honestly, honestly wouldn't want think, to see that. I think by where, 19... Where, where, I was going to say, where in his career was he? He I was like at the tail end, the end. right? So this by this time, I, yeah, I don't think this would have worked with his I think that, that like, it gets... like I think Marnie is his most... Of the ones I've seen is like out there in terms of like it's 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 about memories and not possession or anything, but it gets just a little too out there. I'm like, I want him to stick to the literal terms. And when he gets to Alfred Cock possession doesn't sound exactly. Well, I guess Psycho's is most out there in terms of craziness. I agree. Uh, Carrie Fisher uh, were contenders and Debbie Reynolds were contender for the Reagan and Chris McNeil. Uh, kind of works with how old she was in 73. So, uh, And then the one that uh, I guess it's don't know how truth this is, but Janet Lee would not let Jamie Lee Curtis adi- audition for the role. Jesus uh, Christ. Which makes sense. Every week, every week we got Jamie Lee Curtis here. It makes sense, though, because she was th- yeah. uh, 13 yeah. at the time. So yeah. it does actually make sense. Yeah, right, yeah, it does. It does. Uh, the highest-grossing movie in Warner Brothers history, adjusted for inflation, is The Exorcist. Still, so, I pro- I don't know if Barbie surpassed it at this point, but um, I think it for inflation, did. 
But so it was I like don't know. 1.8 billion? Uh, 1.45, 1. 1. 1.46 billion, I think. See, this, uh, I have the. Let me just. Wikipedia, so yeah. So uh, while Hunter's doing that, uh, according to Blady, Warner Brothers wanted to change the title of the film. Yeah, it makes sense. What? Yeah, well, yeah, what? Yeah, the title of the movie is literally one of the best parts about it too. Uh, this is the first horror movie nominated for Best Picture. Um, the we t- we talked about the original, uh, the length of the shoot. Uh, this is a fun one. So one of Lee J. Cobb's last role before he died. Um, his character, Kinderman, was brought back and he's the lead of The Exorcist 3, which is directed by William Peter Blatty himself. In that movie, George C. Scott took over the role, which later on Freakin would do the same for his remake of 12, uh, for the remake of 12 Angry Men, where... George C. Scott played oh. juror number three, which is Lee J. Cobb's role like in Twelve Angry Men. I that's thought that a was good. Like, that's a good. That's a good trajectory. This is why Lee Lee J. Cobb and George C. Scott always get confused for me because like same name <laughs> when they got the middle initial and then they're just switching parts left and right. It's like God damn it, keep it straight. And they have they kind of look ish similar ish enough, so bigger ish guys, and it's just like and they're both great in so many great movies. So that's the problem. And in the last and two, they, ju- are they are they both in on the waterfront, or is it just one of them? I, I, Lee J. Cobb is. I don't think George C. Scott was. No. And, then, no. and the last two, Jason. This is Jack's gonna know this. I don't think you'll know this, uh, Hunter. Jason Miller obviously starred in this movie. Fifteen years later, his son was also in an iconic oh, yes. horror yes. movie. Uh, Jason Patrick is Jason Miller's son and oh, is okay. in the delightful. The law, Joel Schumacher classic, The Lost Boys. Can't can't exactly say he was good. A, a, a Great. massive part, of, a massive part of the movie as well. Like like how his father was in this movie. Uh, yes, but he did yes. good work. <laughs> and then finally, we I mentioned that uh, Tatum O'Neill won the Oscar. Uh, Tatum O'Neill is the youngest Oscar winner of all time, at ten years old, uh, and Linda Blair was twelve years old. So. Don't think we'll ever get that type of. Don't think we'll get. Don't think we'll get someone younger. We'll need a. Or two. I mean, two in the category. I don't think we'll ever get again mm-hmm. like that young. So that, and that's pretty much it. This is like a nice long discussion on one of the greats. I'm glad we were able to talk about this. Uh, we're gone for a week, but uh, after we come back from a little break, we are going to dive into the Halloween franchise with the movie that. <laughs> I think I'm gonna, we're going to have the most guests on, and Jack's very curious as to why. Um, we're going to be looking at the anniversary of Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Don't know if Hunter's going to be on, but you will be on for the final uh, spooky season dissection of Halloween, John Carpenter's masterpiece, Halloween. Yes. Uh, yeah, Jack, are you excited for Halloween 4? I'm excited to know why so many people are wanting to get on and get on apparently be a part of the crowd because I'm missing out it seems. Uh, but no, yes, it seems that you're, you're... Currently, we're on an uptick with the franchise. We got one obviously masterpiece, three's pretty good, and two, eh. So 
We can definitely it, go it, up. It, go, it goes downhill after four, my friend. Okay, okay. <laughs> it goes downhill so, after. Okay, so you'll count me out of the episode five animation. No, no, no. Nice. We got to do five. We got to do five. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it should be a fun discussion. Uh, Jack, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd. You can look me up, Jack or no. Um, and then over on the League of Cinephiles, uh, we're going to be starting up season four here relatively soon, and you can see all of us there in action. And Hunter. Uh, you can find me at cinemadispatch.com. I had a bunch of reviews come out this last week, but I have my review for The Burial out, and I'll be doing a little more Scorsese binge because in preparation of Killers of Flower Moon, so lots of great stuff to look forward to. Yep, and you can find me at cinematicreel.com. Expect a lot of reviews from New York Film Festival dropping in the next week. Uh, and I'll be finishing up New York Film Festival this Friday with Michael Mann's Ferrari. Uh, so it should be a fun one. Uh, until next time, see you at the Hoops, kids.